Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Good evening and welcome to the John Sanchez show here on News Talk 780 KOH. John was lucky enough to get to do the Friday show when the markets were up three plus percent and I get the ho-hum Monday. But, uh, you know, I I feel like uh, I'll paint it as glass half full as possible. It feels like most recently when we have big three percent moves to the upside, we see four percent moves to the downside the next day. And we didn't get that today. So uh, we'll call it a win. Today, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed down 0.20% or 62 points to 31,438. The S&P was lower by 0.30%, 3,900 on the nose, and the NASDAQ down uh, about 72 basis points today or 0.72%, 83 points lower, 11,524. Gold lower today, 1824 last. We'll call it flat and oil now back above that uh, 110 level, 110.23 last. Uh, you know, again, we had a very, very strong market into the back half of last uh, week. And you know, most had sort of figured that today would be a continuation because we had decently strong Thursday, a very strong Friday. Uh, you know, most of the sentiment indicators that we look at. Uh, John and I have talked about a bunch, uh, were incredibly oversold. And we'll touch on it a bit later. But, you know, the market uh, uh, participants, I would say, have lacked confidence to an extreme degree, right? We had Bank of America's uh, uh, sort of bull bear survey, which they look at a host of data. But uh, uh, the number came out at a zero, uh, about a week and a half ago in terms of a uh, hundred being the most bullish and a zero being the most negative that investors can be. And a lot of times when you see negative sentiment like that, uh, it can pave the way for uh, some pretty strong rallies um, and same vice versa. When the market's been incredibly strong, uh, overly uh, exuberant investors, you can paint the way for pretty large declines, right? And so this will, again, be, you know, pretty notable that it's a sentiment driven market, not a shock to anyone. I'm not telling anything you didn't already know, but you know, much like, uh, the word recession, while it has a, you know, old school textbook definition of two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, you know, it's been revised to something a little more softer, touchier that sort of, you know, boils down to, uh, the consumer is not really happy and they're not buying a lot of things. Uh, and so, uh, uh, things are negative and we've talked about before, you can talk yourself into a recession and a lot of, you know, uh, the data, et cetera, that we're starting to see is it feels that that's a lot of what's happening right now. Again, not to say that things aren't incredibly messy and incredibly difficult with inflation and the fed, but you know, 
we're right now uh, uh, doing a lot of work ourselves with the Fed having to do a whole heck of a lot uh, and talking ourselves into overall concern. And I think it was that lack of conviction today, really on both sides of the market. I mean, we're up a little bit earlier. We were down a little bit, never really more, much more, you know, uh, out of a, a call it a ho-hum flattish day, um, even in advanced decline, looking at uh, the NASDAQ and, and New York Stock Exchange, nothing really telling from today's move. What are some of the reasons for that? Again, we've hit you know pretty strong oversold levels. Um, again, that's also very subjective. It doesn't mean that when you're oversold, you can't continue to be. I try to tell people that for sure. When you're oversold or overbought, you start to look for indicators, technical analysis type things that show, okay, the markets are oversold, but are there some parts that we can look at in the market that shows areas are actually showing some strength? You know, the last week or three, uh, the NASDAQ and more so the large cap, mega cap names, the alphabets, the apples, etc., cetera, uh, have been doing less worse on many of the down days. That's a symptom of a bottoming. Doesn't mean it's the bottom, but it is a signal that you're starting to see them not lead to the downside on down days. They actually were outperforming relative on down days. And that's the type of thing that we try to look for. Today, a little bit of a you know difference. You have the mega cap growth area of the market, which again will stick a lot of those aforementioned Apples, Googles, Amazons, et cetera, inside of, they were down about 1%. Remember the S&P was down about 0.3% today, but the equal weight S&P was only down 0.1. And why is that? It's because areas of the market that have been more so the leaders to the upside or more defensive uh, uh, energy, right? Energy was up about 2.8%. I mentioned earlier oil, right? I mean, uh, up now above 110 Natural gas has been fairly weak the last couple of sessions, continues to be, now has traded with a six handle on it, which is good. That's what we want overall uh, until it becomes bad, right? And that's the tough part we're in there. Uh, and I'll get here in a second into the durable goods orders uh, uh, today. But uh, we're at this point where market constituents aren't quite sure whether they want good or bad news, right? You uh, 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 want things to be worse, but not so bad that they're a recessionary, uh, but you want them to be worse because it signals that the consumer, which again, we've talked about is what the Fed is trying to target, is slowing, but not slowing so much that they don't buy anything and send us into a recession, but slowing enough that they can bring down inflation to more normalized levels. Like, see what I'm saying here? Uh, the, the game that the Fed's trying to play right now for a, between a hard and soft landing, very difficult. Again, I'm still not in the camp that, uh, uh, be a hard, hard, hard landing because of what I feel is less leverage than we had back in sort of 08 or uh, less uh, massive, uh, a very, very top heavy speculation. Uh, you know, the market now we've seen the, the Apples and the Googles and the Amazons come off 20 to 35% already. Uh, uh, we're at the sort of later stages of the more growthier areas. But today, the strong sectors, again, were energy, utilities, and healthcare. Those are defensive, right? So, uh, you know, uh, are people starting to look at durable goods orders and things along those lines? And can you have a market that still holds up okay, but is led by more defensive, mature companies? Yeah, you can. It doesn't necessarily mean the market has to go down just because the growth's not working. Uh, growth stories aren't working in the market right now. You want other parts in the market to hold up. You want utilities, healthcare. Healthcare is a massive part of the S&P to hold up relatively better. The laggers on the other side were 
consumer discretionary, Amazon, Tesla, uh, communication services, um, the Googles, et cetera, materials, and that one I want to touch on a bit, and information uh, technology was down about half a percent. So not terrible. Information tech is a lot of the names we're talking about, the big mega cap growth guys. So down 0.6%, not a terrible day. Looking at bonds, uh, we had the two-year today. Uh, closed right around uh, 3.12. You had the 10-year at 3.19. Pretty poor bond auction today in terms of demand, which then causes the rates to price at a little higher level. So real quick, let's uh, you know touch on the durable goods orders that we got today. We got an increase of 0.7% month over month. Consensus was for 0.1% for durable goods, so much higher. Excluding transportation, however, durable good orders also increased by 0.7%, so 7 on both both the month over month for core as well as uh, uh, excluding uh, transports. However, uh, they both look like headline beats, right? And as soon as I saw the numbers, I knew a little bit of the backstory, but it reads as, ah, oh, great, uh, uh, people are still out spending a lot on stuff, right? Which will be negative. The market will view that as a negative. We don't want people spending too much on stuff. We want them to slow down on stuff by less. Be around what the expectations were. But as you dig through the numbers a little bit more and with help of uh, Equity Clock, one of the shops that I follow, uh, although there were both beats, uh, you're actually starting to see some cooling off in manufacturing orders and a build of inventories. Again, we had 0.7% on both, but uh, stripping out the seasonal adjustments, remember they put seasonal adjustments into these numbers, the value of manufacturers' new orders for durable goods uh, uh, industries actually increased 1.3% for May, but that's less than half of the 3% increase that's average for May. And, and again, uh, that the number looks high, but remember, certain times of the year, you expect it to be higher. So the analysts had already expected a fairly negative number because they're pricing in Fed hikes and they're pricing in headwinds like that. So while it looked like it was better, it's still far less than what we would expect for this month. The only uh, category uh, that was in line or slightly better, uh, defense. Uh, clearly, uh, uh, not surprising given Ukraine, etc. Defense capital goods orders rose by 4.3% in May, which is an abnormal increase compared to the typical 7.4% decline that's average for this time of year. So we saw a 4.3% increase versus a, what normally is down seven plus percent. Uh, there is one interesting data point though, is coming into July and August, and people tend to sort of point out uh, when they hear the show that they like these, these data points, uh, seasonally, July and August are the two best months for defense. So June clearly, as I mentioned, is a typically a big down month. But July and August, if you like seasonality and you look for areas of the market to sort of trade a bit, uh, June, uh, July and August tend to be pretty good for defense companies and people have been pretty bold up on them, obviously, given this Ukrainian situation doesn't look like it's ending anytime soon. But for, uh, right now, let's send it over to Daniela Sanino in the Right Now Traffic Center. How are you doing, Daniela? Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show here on News Talk 780 KOH. This is Jason Gaunt in for John this evening. Uh, the Dow today closed down 0.20%, 31,468. The S&P lower by 0.30%, or three-tenths of a percent, to 3,900 on the nose. And the NASDAQ was down 72 basis points, 0.72%, 11,524. Had uh, durable goods orders uh, today that sort of got the market, you know, uh, tipping in the, the wrong direction. 
auction. Futures were strong as we came in this morning. Uh, we also had May pending home sales today. Number was positive, up 0.7%. Consensus was a loss of 3.5%. So uh, pending home sales number was a you know overall good thing to do, to see uh, as we all very much know that they're you know one of the tips of the spear as far as uh, uh, tips of the spear. Anyway, it was uh, they're very important as far as the compounding effect of homes and uh, construction, etc. Uh, we don't want to see that area slow down precipitously. Uh, we'd like to see a sort of calmer uh, uh, level. And as long as bond rates stay around these levels, that uh, continue, can continue to be the case. I mean, I've talked a bunch of times, right? The millennials, as far as a group uh, are larger than the baby boomers were. The oldest of the millennials is just turning 40. So they're out buying homes. They're going to continue to be doing so for the next decade. Numbers are anywhere from a million to a million five in undersupply as far as homes are concerned. So while rates, the velocity has been fairly steep, uh, you know, uh, in terms of the change, and that slowed a lot of things down quick. I think if we can get a, you know, a, a, a 30 year, 10 year rate that settles in around where we're at, um, even a, you know, modest climb higher uh, and some stability in where prices are as far as uh, mortgages are concerned. I think the, you know, overall things are going to be in a much better place uh, later on. But, you know, for the year, the Dow Jones is down 13.5%, the S&P lower by 18.2%, the Russell 2000, the small caps down 21.1%, and finally the NASDAQ down 26.3% year to date. Other notable areas, gold today, as I mentioned, was uh, down small, 1823. Copper, 374 last. So you may have not heard or may have, uh, oftentimes people refer to it as, as Dr. Copper and that you kind of listen to what it's saying um, you know, because, and I would argue even more so now, right? So copper's broken that $4 support. It had been trading back to uh, May of 2021. We've traded above $4 up to, you know, five and change, big spikes. But, you know, given all of the, the backstory of uh, electric vehicles and, you know, uh, uh, ESG in general with the electrification and desires of things and batteries and storage and semiconductors and you name it, the whole grid that needs to be revamped at some point, seeing uh, uh, copper turn lower, that's a canary. That's something we want to keep an eye on. Certainly uh, China slowing what they've been doing um, in terms of COVID lockdowns, et cetera, uh, is a headwind, but you want to keep an eye on copper. Uh, Freeport McMoran, one of the bigger copper, copper companies to follow if you're building out your little screener there. Um, you know, going through headlines today, I'd like to just at least point on a couple interesting headlines that were market moving today. We heard the commentary around Russia missing a foreign debt payment right? Moving into default, which most will agree is pretty much semantics. It's not a can't pay it. It's more of a function of uh, you know, lacking the ability given the constraints around how it needs to be paid from a, you know, a ruble standpoint. Um, and so I think that's, you know, we'll call it a headline. Uh, it's more headline than it is actual issue, but uh, at least something to keep an eye on overall. Um, uh, some comments that uh, uh, the global minimum tax that's been talked about, you know, uh, our own treasury talked about it, trying to make it so, you know, you don't have a case where people run into Ireland and so on and so forth like they did back uh, a decade ago to hide from U.S. taxes, to have that sort of uh, global minimum um, is being held up in Hungary and also the U.S. 
Congress. Um, so there's some commentary there that the irony of it being sort of held in those two places when, you know, many are looking to at least issue something like that to uh, set the table. Uh, I won't put my two cents in on it uh, other than saying that, you know, it's sort of uh, removed some of the competitive advantage that some countries may offer uh, in order to try to bring companies in and so on and so forth. But uh, uh, we'll see how that all goes. Uh, the IMF today did slash uh, their U.S. economic growth forecast, but predicts the U.S. will narrowly avoid a recession. Remember, I talked about what the you know classic term for recession is, uh, even if we are in one now. Uh, again, it's not a death sentence. It's just a, a function of a slowing GDP, and it's uh, a, a, you know, negative two quarters uh, is the classic version. But whether we have one or we don't, uh, oftentimes by the time you're in it, uh, 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 you've already been uh, pricing out of it uh, in terms of the markets. Markets are going to dictate, you know, discount six to twelve, even eighteen months forward, right? So if the markets have been swooning now, uh, not difficult to predict that early twenty twenty three is where many pundits have uh, a recession sort of uh, earmarked. Uh, uh, you know, the flip side being is that the two worst years for uh, the U.S. markets are rather the the worst year for the U.S. markets. I'm sorry, is the midterm election year, right? The year we're in now uh, is typically the worst in year three and four better. So we could be in a recession while the markets are rallying, right? It doesn't, uh, uh, the two don't go hand in hand. It's uh, uh, the markets will tend to turn higher uh, while you're in the thick of the worst um, and same vice versa. When everything looks great, you tend to see things like this where in November we started rolling over far ahead of some of the overall issues that we're dealing with now. Um, you know, uh, we've got uh, uh, Something I found interesting, the Supreme Court, and we won't get going there, uh, they could rule this week on a major case that could limit the government's ability to regulate against climate change. So for whatever reason, they're now uh, uh, flexing uh, in any way they can, and climate change will be yet another lightning rod that uh, I, I expect we'll be hearing about soon. Um, uh, Germany, along those lines, wants G7 nations to reverse uh, some of the commitments uh, that would have ended overseas fossil fuel project commitments. So now you've got Germany, who uh, is pretty interesting, where they're stuck between a rock and a hard place where uh, the summer will end uh, and winter is coming, not to steal uh, you know the line, but uh, they're in a difficult spot with needing natural gas, et cetera. And as to where it's going to come from, you know, the U S has promised to help in many ways, but that's hurricane season in the back half of the year. And, uh, depending on U S gas getting on boats overseas, uh, could cause a significant amount of volatility. Speaking of going overseas, uh, 2.4 million people went through TSA, uh, at the airports on Friday. This is the highest level since early 2020. So again, not a negative, right? You've got a consumer who, in many ways, booked a lot of these flights uh, earlier in this year when they were getting out of COVID. But now you got two and a half million people that are traveling through, you know, uh, TSA. Uh, that shows that folks are moving around despite the fact that there's been massive uh, flight cancellations. So I'm sorry to any of you who've been traveling recent because it's been a bit of a abject disaster. A couple other notable points here. Uh, 3M, if you follow the company, obviously a big uh, uh, mega cap constituent. One of the headwinds for that stock has been uh, tinnitus and a lot of things from uh, battle and soldiers and stuff. But I'm hearing they could have over you know billions in liabilities over some of their earplugs um, and issues along those lines, which is you know to get some clarity there, I think will be pretty important. Uh, two more here, Altria Mo. Uh, there's been some uh, their jewel cigarettes were blocked, and it looks like a federal court has just 
blocked the FDA's ban, um, sort of pushing back in the other direction. So that stock going to be pretty darn volatile, certainly over the next uh, uh, weeks and months. And two last things here, Tesla, Ford, and GM are, again, vowing that uh, you're going to see an increase in EV prices, given all of the uh, input cost issues. And Tesla, again, uh, sort of stated that they're going to be uh, continuing to lay off workers, despite the sort of recent layoffs they had. But right now, uh, why don't we send it over to Jim Fannin, who has news, traffic, and weather. How you doing, Jimmy? Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show here on News Talk 780. This is Jason Gaunt. Fortunately, markets closed red today. The Dow was down 0.20%. The S&P lower by 0.30%. The NASDAQ, the lagger down 0.72%. Uh, oil, unfortunately, after hours continues to uh, go higher. 110.64 last. Call it a percent on the day. So, uh, you know, we talked a bit about confidence, right? What clearly is lacking uh, on the consumer side, the market side, et cetera. Um, and so what I wanted to do is at least go through uh, sort of what the bears are saying. And then we'll go through a couple you know, data points about what is the consumer, what does the market need overall uh, to get incrementally more confident? Because it seems that in most cases, again, like that uh, survey that I'll touch on, uh, you know, getting a zero from Bank of America in terms of uh, 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 you know, market pundit market uh, uh, confidence uh, clearly uh, has to mean something. So uh, this is a note from Mike Wilson, who's at Morgan Stanley. He's been a bear for some time. And, you know, now we get to listen to the bear because right now he's right. In our view, both the fall in oil and rates, interest rates, are being driven more by the fears of an economic slowdown rather than a real peak in inflation and therefore peak Fed hawkishness. We continue to believe any near-term rally is nothing more than a bear market bounce with lower lows ahead. All of the move last week was due to valuations moving higher, which seems unusual given the growing concern about earnings. In fact, even taking into account the fall in 10-year yields, remember we were close to 330, 335, um, and then you know down in the 3, you know, 10, 3%. 15 level. Uh, uh, given the, the, the move in 10-year yields, the equity risk premium is back to 300 basis points. I'll talk about risk premium in a different show. Uh, in our view, that makes little sense in the context of likely negative earning revisions coming in Q2 and still rising risk of recession over the next six to 12 months. Interesting, I just said that. And as our fair value uh, uh, framework shows, the S&P is now meaningfully mispriced again for the current PMI and rates backdrop, even with the recent fall in bond yields. The only question is whether we have a soft landing base case in which the S&P bottoms near 3,400 to 3,500, or 3,900 now, um, uh, or we have a recession in which uh, they think the index falls towards 3,000. So that's, again, Mike, uh, uh, Mike Wilson over at Morgan Stanley. So uh, with that as the backdrop, <laughs> how does the market get confident? Why is there a lack of confidence overall? Um, you know, I think right out of the gate, uh, the average investor is far from confident, right? Uh, you've got the commentary you hear there. Uh, uh, while six to nine months ago, every pundit on the television, Bloomberg, CNBC, Fox Business, whatever you name it, was 
incrementally confident and positive about everything in front of them. Well, now we get a bull bear reading, like I mentioned, not to pound this drum excessively, but it's notable of a zero that shows that the investor by and large is not confident. Uh, that's a contraindicator. So uh, being overly negative uh, as we go through this little checklist here, I'd put that in the box of good. We want people to be overly pessimistic, overly concerned, hedge funds as deleveraged as they are. Uh, they're, you know, when I say deleveraged with hedge funds, they're not running a lot of leverage vis-a-vis. -vis, uh, uh, if the market goes up, uh, they want to get back invested in order to take advantage of the market rising. Uh, they won't sit on their hands very long. Uh, I'll give you another little thing I like to say is that the buyers are higher, right? Uh, we need to see some strength in the markets before buyers come back, right? That's very much sort of a second bullet point that rising markets help confidence. I know that's uh, pretty simple to say, but uh, everyone's going to be a bear until all of a sudden the market starts going up and many people who are sitting in cash and, you know, are very defensively positioned start to chase. And that's not uncommon at all that as we get a rise of some kind, that will help build confidence. In Mike's note here, he talked about earnings, right? Well, we need earnings updates. Again, to play the pundits, the, uh, the negativity, uh, many of them are saying that we're not going to get confidence until earnings come out and guidance is revised lower. Until analysts, these analysts at the bulge brackets, the Goldmans, the Morgan Stanleys, the Smith Barneys, they all have price targets on stocks. Their price targets are a function in many cases of valuation. What are their earnings? Okay, well, I put X amount of uh, multiple on their earnings per share, right? Uh, if it's a dollar of earnings and it's 15 times multiple, it should trade at 15 bucks. That's what they're saying on their, well, uh, not, uh, not many of the analysts, uh, not many, uh, uh, most of the analysts are still uh, carrying fairly elevated earnings assumptions, right? The S&P earnings is guided to be $235 in earnings for 23 right? Well, that 235 needs to come down. As all of the companies start to report, they'll give guidance for what they say they think they're going to earn in 2023. Then the analysts will come out and they'll start taking down their numbers based on what the companies say they're going to earn. My only question is, uh, I feel like we've spent the last two years of companies not really telling us jack squat, right? And I don't think that this is going to be any different this quarter. I think many companies are going to say that they don't have a lot of clarity. They'll probably talk down numbers. They'll talk down analysts, which again, will help to more right size what uh, earnings estimates are. But companies are going to, they're not going to give you an exact number, uh, just given all of the confluence of events with rate changes and oil and so on and commodities and so on and so forth. So I expect a fairly uh, uh, mixed earnings season um, uh, overall. But, you know, we're going to start getting earnings uh, as soon as uh, uh, July 14th, right? We're going to get BlackRock, Conagra, Delta, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Taiwan Semi, all on the 14th of July. They're starting soon, folks. Uh, the next day, we got uh, Bank of New York, Citigroup, uh, State Street, USB, Wells Fargo. So we're going to get all the bank information. We're going to get, you know, a lot of the earnings season starting, and you're going to get your clarity. You're going to get you know, these CEOs right from their lips and CFOs right from, uh, you know, his or her lips, what the company is expecting. And then you're going to see 
earnings more revised, uh, the investor will become more confident because then you now have, uh, uh, even negativity can cause confidence, right? If you have a number, now I know something that I can use to value my stock or my portfolio or a view on what the markets are that potentially are less pessimistic than you are, that could create some confidence behind the investor. So certainty around earnings, I think, will provide for some confidence. We need more direction from the Fed, right? We need clarity from the Fed. Right now, you know, the Fed at 150 to 175 in terms of their current uh, FOMC, they're saying that they're going to be around 340 to 350 by the end of the year. That's another 175 basis point in hikes. Well, most think we're going to get 75 at the next one. Right. So that's another 100 basis points for, you know, when nothing happens in uh, uh, August. So your next hike is going to be in July, but then nothing in August, then September, October. You know, so you've got, uh, you know, potentially another 100 basis points of hikes throughout the rest of the year. If we get that, I think the market will be uh, very happy uh, that the Fed has an increased Uh, the trajectory for rate hikes. Right now, the market's already priced in those numbers. If the Fed goes along that path, uh, the market will be pleasantly surprised because the spook will be gone. The market loves it when it knows what it's going to get. We're going to get CPI in two weeks. So I mentioned those earnings season starting on the week of the 11th, uh, the 14th for earnings. We're going to get consumer price index on the 13th. That's going to be a market mover for sure, right? Uh, Bullish or bearish, uh, that will certainly move the markets. So that'll be how everything's kicked off in the face of CPI comes earnings. So keep an eye, a uh, little sleepy over the next two weeks, but that once those get started, CPI is going to be uh, a big one. We saw the markets move quite a bit last time that happened. Uh, you know, a little farther out, we're going to get the elections, right? We've got the midterm elections. I mentioned earlier, uh, the, this is the worst year of a presidential cycle. Uh, we'll get some clarity from the November elections. Uh, given the you know sort of way that the world sets right now, uh, pretty safe to assume, uh, barring some uh, oddity, uh, that we're going to get a Republican Congress, uh, at least House or Congress, and the markets like it when nobody can do anything, right? Again, I keep touching on clarity, clarity, clarity. Uh, when the markets are comfortable that nobody can make any goofy changes for the next two years, uh, that can often provide a bit of a catalyst to the upside in that uh, uh, nothing's going to come out of left field because uh, it will get blocked on the other side. And, you know, last two here too, reduce volatility in general, right? I mean, even though an up 3% day felt great on Friday, I don't like it because the VIX is still above 27, right? Uh, uh, we've talked a bunch of times before, typically in a bull market, stocks go up an escalator and down an elevator. Well, we're getting the opposite now, right? Where the, the crawl lower is negative and the big spikes are to the upside. Uh, I think the market's going to get a little more constructive once volatility calms a bit. And finally, as I mentioned, with that rising markets and helping overall, we do have a backdrop of seasonality coming up here over the next couple months. And I talk about seasonality because I'm a chartist and I like that part of the market. But uh, 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 coming into to July and August, and there's actually a couple articles out here today that I was reading earlier, uh, those are times of the year when the market's strong. So real quick, uh, the S&P 500 um, is down it, you know, it's sort of retraced about one third of its rise. It's come, ba- come down about one third of how much it went up um, from sort of the, you know, 2020 lows. 
And you know, this benchmark for the S&P along with others, and this is from Equity Clock, are showing good positive reaction to that rising 200-day moving average, or 200-week, I'm sorry. So technical analysis, 200 weeks. So where did the market close for the last 200 weeks? They draw a line. Well, we're still above that line and it's still rising, even though some of the more shorter ones are, are, are negative. They're actually rolling over, but you still have that uptrend support of the 200. The charts suggest here that there is good near-term potential for strength in equity prices through the weeks ahead, of the, ahead as the summer rally period begins but the intermediate to longer term perspective are a little bit negative. So, you know, if we can get this sort of summer strength that we tend to get, and I think that's a bit of what the markets were sneaking out or sniffing out rather last week, you've got rebalancing for uh, a lot of the pension funds to sell bonds by equities, given what equities have done year to date, that could provide a bit of a catalyst to the upside near term, which will provide for more confidence into the back half of the year. But speaking of confidence, let's wrap it up with Daniela Sanino in the Right Now Traffic Center. And welcome back to the John Sanchez Show here on News Talk 780 KOH. This is Jason gone in for John. Right now, we've got the Dow futures after hours. Again, I like to point them out just so we can watch them move. The Dow futures are currently trading positive up 0.24%. The S&P up 11 points or 0.28%. The NASDAQ futures after hours up 0.36% uh, to 12085 uh, You know, tomorrow we've got a, a little bit of uh, economic news. Uh, you've got your May advanced good uh, sort of trade deficit uh, we'll be getting. We'll also be getting retail inventories and wholesale inventories. These will all be out at 8.30. So as I mentioned earlier, keeping an eye on overall retail inventories. We saw Target sort of uh, freak out uh, several weeks ago uh, when they stated that they needed to bring down prices and so on and so forth to clear out a lot of their inventories. So uh, hopefully these numbers are not too, too, uh, not too, too high because that'll be a sign that, you know, the consumer is slowing and inventories are building. Uh, at nine o'clock, you've got the April FHFA housing price index, as well as Case Shiller home price index. Again, we're going to be keeping a close eye on that here at the shop, uh, just given how quickly interest rates have moved and you know, from a lot of the people that we've talked to, I'm sure not dissimilar to many listeners, you know, the sort of housing, uh, uh, mortgage environment uh, uh, locked up pretty fast there. Um, but, you know, I'm starting to hear some sort of mildly positive news now that things have calmed a bit. And then fine, speaking of confidence, at uh, 10 o'clock Eastern time, uh, we're going to have the June consumer confidence number. Uh, consensus is for 101. So better than 100. Uh, we've had some pretty decent consumer numbers, but keeping an eye on the trajectory of that and see if we come lower. Earnings-wise this week, as I mentioned, it'll be pretty calm. A uh, couple names tomorrow. You've got, uh, after the close, Aero Environment and Progress Software. On Wednesday, uh, we'll get Bed Bath Beyond, uh, uh, General Mills, Paychecks uh, in the morning. And then I think Micron on Thursday night is going to be something that uh, certainly many are looking at. They've you know been pretty wild as far as you know their big storage, semi-storage uh, company. Uh, the market's going to be pretty keenly focused on how Micron's results are. Lastly, uh, we got a lot of the bank uh, stress tests, the most recent stress test and stress capital buffer requirement uh, numbers out here after the close. 
Looks like most of them were quite positive as far as the banks were concerned. Um, uh, after hours, Goldman Sachs is up 1.7%. They're going to increase their dividend by 25%. Uh, HBAN up a percent. Again, uh, all capital levels are good. Uh, uh, going through other banks. Citigroup, uh, they're going to intend to keep their current dividend. Some folks were hoping for a hike there. JP Morgan, same thing. Current dividend is going to remain in line. I was expecting some, you know, uh, overall, this could have been a part of the market that uh, if if some of these stress tests came back slightly worrisome, uh, you know, given where rates are and so on and so forth. But financials in general have held up you know, overall, uh, from a market standpoint, uh, you know, pretty well, uh, you know, down 17% versus the S and P down about 18 and change. Um, you know, uh, the, the curve is still positively sloping. So you've got a two year, uh, lower than the 10 year. I even look at the three month versus 10 year, uh, that many of the sort of smarter folks that I follow watch and it's continued to stay positively sloping. So, you know, financials, uh, uh, could be in a pretty good spot. Um, if things can, you know, overall, uh, get a little bit better in the back half of the year and, and, and we start to see a little bit of loosening as far as interest rates are concerned or loosening as far as the, the mortgage market is concerned overall, but lots of things to be, uh, you know, uh, uh confident in, uh, we just need, uh, some data points that, uh, start to roll our way. And I think in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start to see a little bit more of them. But uh, for now, I very much appreciate everyone listening, and uh, hopefully John will be back tomorrow morning to uh, update you on all things market. But uh, I'm going to sign out. From the office of Sanchez Wealth, I'm Jason Gaunt, News Talk. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.